We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't wait on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the field of 68. Welcome into the pod is the roof. The field of 68's UNC basketball podcast. I am your host, Riley Davis, joined as always by my co-host, Jacob Karabatsos. We're coming in reacting to UNC's first win over Radford. They got game game one is in the books. They came out on top 86 to 70. Uh some good, some slightly concerning, but you know, ultimately it's it's nice to to get a, a win that we were able to pull away late and turn it into somewhat of a blowout. I wouldn't say it's a, a full-on blowout because Radford played competitive really until probably about the 15 minute mark in the second half when UNC was able to impose its will. Uh, but JK how are you doing tonight, man? How'd you enjoy the game? What'd you think? Um, you know, I texted you in the first half and I was like, breaking news, UNC still doesn't try on defense. And uh it was a frustrating first half. Um, the second half looked like a completely different team. And I am mindful of the fact, you know, could they have been more dominant? Yes, but like they won by 16. It's not like they were 30 point favorites. They were 18 and a half point favorites. So they mm-hmm. they won by about what Vegas expected them to. Um right. and you know, Radford has some has some really quality guard play. Like they do. And unfortunately for UNC, that's kind of always the Achilles heel is guards that can make shots. Um <laughs> so it kind of sucks, but before, you know, we get into it, got to show off our merch for the day. I'm rocking, yes. rocking the UNC crew neck. Riley, what, UNC, what, you, what you got on? Yeah, I I, I got to say the first thing I, I said when I got on this call was uh, it's a fire crew neck that Jacob's wearing. Nice little gold color. You don't see that very often, but it looks great with the Carolina blue on it. I love that it's a little unorthodox. Um, I'm rocking a 2017 national champion shirt. It's Manifestation. Super yeah, yeah, right. It's kind of my, uh, it's usually my lucky UNC shirt. I wore this. I don't think I washed it for like a month and a half in 2022 when Carolina went on their run. Um, washed it after the national championship. But, you know, we move. We still wear it. So it's uh, pretty beat up. But, yeah, hopefully uh, 
eventually we can get another national championship shirt to kind of replace it in the rotation. But yeah, but anyway, like you said, um, Radford, a lot of good guards kind of play an interesting style. I covered them for the Almanac. I might've said that on here before. They run a lot of off ball screens, a lot of floppy action, but as we saw tonight, they have guards that can score an ISO that can play out of ball screens and go and get a bucket. And, you know, personally, like that first half, you mentioned JK was very frustrating. Um, and I, I sensed that some, you know, I, I was sort of vacillating between these emotions where it's like, okay, on, on one hand, we saw Hubert experiment experiment with a ton of different lineups. Like there were times certain lineups were in there for like 30 seconds just to see what it looked like. And then it was something different. You know, I, I was sort of rationalizing like that, but also, and also thinking, just knowing like, you know, Radford has a guard in Daquan Smith who played on that 31 Murray State team two years ago. They had Brian Antoine, a former McDonald's All-American, Villanova transfer. Both those dudes would, I think, would start in the ACC. I mean, you with me on that? Like, Daquan Smith especially, like, he's built, knocks down shots. Um, like, it's it, they have legitimate guards. But at the same time, there's still this, like, underlying sense of, like, this is still a big South team. You know, like we're at home, we should be able to to at least have a double digit lead by halftime. Um, and yeah, it, it was mainly almost, yeah, it all came down to defense and turnovers. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to lie, like they made some tough shots. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't all bad defense, but, right. you know, it's, I'm just glad they figured it out in the second half because that's all I really wanted was like, look, you know, impose your will get out of here with a 15 plus point win and i'm feeling good like yeah maybe you just knocked off some first half rust and that is right that is what it appears to be um and a lot of teams have that i mean michigan state just lost to james madison so it's like you know kentucky the first 15 minutes of that game they were close with new mexico state so sometimes it's just first game knocking off the rust um in terms of like takeaways um, I'll start with the positive. I, I want to give a shout out to uh and me and you were very uncertain, you know, about the rotation, how it was gonna play. And I, I do want to give a shout out to to James Washington. I mean, he's it's gonna be he looks like he's gonna be a key part of the rotation. Like he only played 10 minutes tonight, which was the fourth most minutes off the bench, but he had eight and four and he had that stretch in the second half where he was making like every hustle play, like the loose ball play, the um the cleanup points. Like he he looked like the second best big on the team, if I'm being completely honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Zayden's a freshman. It, it he looked a little rough out there at times. Withers um pretty much did what we thought. He just kind of was out there to score and you know, not too much else. But yeah, Jalen Washington impressed me a lot and I genuinely you know we weren't even sure he was going to have solidified minutes in the rotation but I think he actually might be the backup big at least at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. yeah we'll see how it shakes out because I'm with you I thought he looked great in the second half um on top of those plays he was making like he had a couple tough rebounds through traffic which um delighted me because it's like his his calling card has been offense it's been that face-up game and it's been his potential as a shooter and I think that's been his knock on him since he's was in high school was he's not able to have like the I don't want to say he's not tough or anything but like the the sort of physicality toughness like the all those those cliches you hear on the interior to go out and get a rebound to you know 
get to elevate above somebody. And I, I thought like in the first half, especially some of his lack of athleticism, it did show um, there's a couple of boards he gave up and wasn't necessarily making a difference at the rim defensively, but yeah, he found a little bit of a rhythm in the second half. And that, that one pass from Elliot uh, where Elliot just squeezed it in a tight window and he finished it with a dunk was really, really great to see. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, you know, it's funny had the knock on Jalen Withers. And like I said, as someone who defensively I had sort of been skeptical of as well, I was impressed that he was able to use his length to at least get a couple of steals. Um, had some nice rebounds in there too. Shot three for three tonight. And, oh, wait, sorry. I was looking at the wrong, looking at the wrong Jalen. Shot two for two, um, had a pair of steals in 15 minutes. And I think good role from him. I'd like to see him spaced out a little bit more and maybe at least get up a three-point shot. Um, but yeah, I, I thought both he and Washington were high points and I'm, I'm with you. Zayden looked a little bit like a freshman tonight, but you know, first game ever can't, can't knock him too much. Yeah. Um, I, the, another thing is like, I was a little upset. Um, me and you talked about this. Paxton Wojcik, you are there to shoot the ball, my guy. Shoot the rock. You went two of two. I mean, I've never seen someone get into the field goal savings percentage club or field goal percentage savings club in the first game of the season. The man, like, shout out to the UNC alum, Rob Perez. He's the one that started the field goal percentage savings club. But, dude, two shots. Like, you – realistically you should have taken at least six there was four to five shots you passed up and my thing is is you know you didn't look great defensively I think that's just really a lack of like athleticism and quickness a little bit and you're playing against a team that plays three guards tough to match up with but like you are out there to shoot open shots and score and I don't want to see you passing up open shots like it's it's pretty simple you know I I like Cormac, I'm happy with because, yeah, he didn't shoot, you know, he was three of eight and he was three of seven from three. But, like, that's him and Paxson should be shooting five to seven threes a game. So mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Because I was a little upset at the hesitancy of Paxson at times. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by it because a couple of times it looked like he really wanted to shoot and he made the first three he took. And it was, I mean, it was pure, you know, and I, I think that's where that's going to be the key to him being able to, excuse me, that's the key to him sustaining his minutes going forward. Um, you know, some of his team defense and positioning, I thought was, was, was good and everything, but yeah, he's, he's going to struggle. He's probably going to struggle some against more athletic guards and those teams that can take that have multiple guys who can take your wings off the bounce, that type of stuff. Um, which, you know, somewhat common. So that's where yeah, I'm with you. I would have liked to see a, a little more, I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's, um, just overthinking it or not wanting to mess up. Like, uh, again, I, I don't want to analyze, I, I can't be in his head and know what he's thinking, but yeah, just passing up a couple of the threes surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I was, I just thought, um, you know, in it's first game of the season, early days, but me and you have talked about this on numerous occasions on this pod. It's a weekly occurrence, but they simply looked better when Cadeau was out there. Like, most of like that stretch of the early second half when Cadeau was on the court, like was kind of when they broke away, he started pushing the pace and Mm -hmm. he's so quick when he like running pick and rolls and his first step to get by guards 
And he only had five points, but like he was kind of getting to the mid range spots where whenever he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there was a couple passes where you're like, oh my God, this dude's vision is insane. And running the break with him is just so clean. I mean, I went away from that game thinking like there's just no way that Elliot Cadeau is not a starter. Like, I'm sorry. I guess we can get to this with some of the concerns. I'm not ready to go negative yet. I kind of see like, I mean, his defensive struggles were pretty pronounced in the first half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even in the second half, there were times where I'm like, dude, how are you, how are you on your guy's hip again? Like, <laughs> um, you know, some of that it's like it is his first game ever. And as they said on the broadcast at nauseum, he should be in high school. So, you know, you cut him a break there. And like, but he he got some really good shots. Um, yeah, like you said, mid-range, his three. Uh, even his the one three he attempted, I thought he looked a little bit hesitant on. And I don't know, again, it's probably probably a combination of first game jitters or um even just the the pressure situation, you know, coming into a situation of a team that didn't make the tournament last year and finding itself in a in a back and forth game against a mid-major, I could see how maybe the pressure gets the guys a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think those shots are going to fall eventually sooner rather than later. But, yeah, defensively, I think is the the big thing with, you know, both the bigs and the guards really need to improve their positioning when it comes to, like, the icing ball screens that Hubert, I think, wants to run. Seemed like, uh, can't say for sure, but it seemed like at some point in the first half he abandoned that and went almost strictly to switching one through five, which – Yielded some mixed results. Um, yeah, we can get to that with the concerns, but I did also want to want to mention Harrison Ingram um, as someone who, again, I thought was really impressive. I know he he missed some free throws, which was a bit frustrating, but knocked down two threes, um, had another corner three that rimmed out, looked like it went halfway down. Uh, good tenacity on the glass, and honestly, I thought like most impressive. He had some really good looking drives. Like he had a left-handed, I think he might've had multiple left-handed finishes and, you know, Radford, they, they play those three guards. They have a smaller perimeter unit, but they have some legit size in the front court. They got a couple dudes who are six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. Um, So it wasn't just like Ingram was bullying these guys. Like it's a, it's a team that has some, some decent size in the front court. Yeah. I My take on Ingram from that game was that like, I have nothing bad to say. Like, yeah, he shot four of nine and two of five, which 40% from three is fine from him. If he's going to give us 40% from three, that's great. My takeaway, though, was he didn't take a bad shot, and every mm-hmm. shot looked every shot looked good. Like, every mm-hmm. shot looked like it had a chance to go in. And he really did impress me. Like, he he's a very versatile forward. He can kind of do a little bit of everything, um, and he's going to be – He's going to be the key, I think. I think he, I think he's the key because we know what RJ and Armando are going to bring, right? And we know, kind of know what the other guys are going to bring. Ingram's the, yeah. the wild card, and yeah, even Cormac, Cormac looked great, man. I, I know, like you said, three three for eight, not the best overall percentage, but he did exactly what you wanted him to do. He knocked down his threes. He was really annoying on defense with his activity. Like, yeah, I was pleased with Cormac a lot too. If it tells anyone anything, Cormac played the most minutes on the team tonight, so. Mm-hmm. No, I just like Cormac because he plays with no fear. Like, he just doesn't care. And that's what I like to see, like, that tenacity. Like, he actually was way better on defense than I thought. Like, I'm going to be honest. Now, I I, I do want to say that's the last bright spot I want to hit on is the defense kind of plays off itself to me as one area is a bright spot, one area is a negative. The perimeter defense was a lot better. They held him to 24% from three, like – 
the approach on screens was a bit different. They kind of, and it kind of got them abused inside, which kind of hurt. But instead of going under, they aggressively hedged on a lot of screens and Radford's guards kind of just went downhill and took mid ranges. And that's why they shot, you know, 23 of 45 in inside the arc, which is the concerning part that plays off of the good perimeter defense. But I feel like that's more of a communication thing, like help weak side that'll get better as the season progresses. I would rather like, if we're going to lose, give up a bunch of twos. I'm tired of seeing us get absolutely annihilated from the perimeter. So that was a bright spot. You know, the perimeter defense was an improvement through one game. I will say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think like, you know, I'm not going to say that any of the defensive concerns we talked about even a few weeks ago are gone. Um, I would, st- I still feel like, you know, top 30-ish defense is probably the ceiling for this team. Um but I wouldn't say I'm panicked about giving up 70 points to Radford. Like we've, we've hit on, they have good guards that can create on their own, create for their teammates. Um, and yeah, I think some of it is communication and that Hubert and the staff will be able to iron it out to, we'll see, you know, more ball screens get forced sideline to sideline, you know, and uh, hopefully some more turnovers forced as well. That was one thing where I, I feel like we didn't see the same level of like active hands from Ingram and some other guys of, I would give any knock on that. Seth Trimble looked awesome. I mean, he kind of picked up right where he left off and was like just a pest on ball, which was great yes. to see. And I, I think that's going to get him a role. You know, I think that's going to that's going to get him on the court, especially when we need to stop late. Um, okay, I know we're sort of getting into concerns, but I did want to ask you one question on a on a positive side. What did you make of the bench usage and just the rotations and the minute distribution overall? Um. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I genuinely was... I was surprised when Zayden and Cadeau, Cadeau not, but Zayden being the second guy off the bench was surprising. I'm not going to lie. 
But in terms of the distribution, obviously, you know, you want these five first five games to be like feelers. Like you you want to know who you want to know who's giving you what. And I would say that the guys that played tonight that are sure gonna like surefire in the rotation are Trimble, Withers, Cadeau, and Washington, probably. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's hard because we just talked about it and you have to pick, and this is the thing they're going to have to get good at to, to really take that next leap. They have to pick their units wisely because if they run that Paxson unit that they ran tonight to, to start against a good team, they're probably going to get burnt. These like decently bad. Like I think, I honestly think that Trimble is going to have to start some games. Because they are going to play like when they play in Miami, I feel like Trimble has to start. When they mm-hmm. play Duke, I feel like Trimble's probably gonna have to start because who else is an elite defender on the perimeter that we have in the guard rotation? So it's like, yeah, you're giving up a bit of offense, but you know, maybe he takes a little bit of a leap. I liked his minute distribution. I like Jalen's minute distribution. And honestly, you know, Cadeau and Withers being the the two highest minute guys off the bench, I think is right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, Cadeau runs the offense. Like he can be out there when RJ's sitting. He can be out there with RJ, et cetera. And Withers is the, like, he's really the only, like, score first big on the squad. Mm -hmm. So you kind of need that off the bench too. I was fairly happy with how Hubert handled it. Um, What did you think? Yeah, I I thought it was kind of Roy Williams esque, you know, like he was tinkering and like this is the time to do it. Um, I actually was pretty impressed by it. I, I it was nice to see as it, it, it in some ways it felt maybe like an over uh overcorrection that Hubert was like, okay, y'all been on me for the past two seasons about not using my bench. Well, here you go. Like I'm playing the whole rotation and a bunch of guys are getting double digit minutes. So like. What are you going to say now? <laughs> um, I think there's like a couple stretches late in the game where neither RJ and Armand, neither RJ or Armando are on the court. And that's something that like when we play, you know, high major competition, I really hope doesn't happen. But um, it, the, the flip side of like the critiques of Hubert for not using his bench is like he, he is pretty good at realizing when something works, he's going to run with it. Example A being Brady Manic in 2022 when it became clear as soon as Dawson Garcia went out with injury, it was apparent that Manic was such a better fit next to Armando. And he rode that lineup to a national championship appearance. So um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed parts of it. And you know, that was honestly, I would say that was what eased my mind. Even when Carolina was struggling, it's like, okay, if this gets too close for comfort, just play through Armando play through RJ. Um, and yeah, I mean, even, Armando with a very quiet 25 points just went about his business 13 boards um did what you what you'd like to see your all-American big man do especially against lesser competition finish inside take advantage of his size advantage yeah I think this is the beauty of you know what we talked about before which is this unit has a lot more spacing which they run a lot more sets because it isn't just, you know, RJ and Caleb kind of taking turns. And I think that was evident. Like there was so many, I, the, the one that really comes to mind was when they swung the ball to Paxson in the corner. He ball faked back to the wing. And then Armando was one-on-one on the block. 
got the ball, one power dribble, lay him. Mm -hmm. Like they were mm -hmm. actually able to give him good entry feeds in one-on-one -on -one situations. Whereas at times last year, he caught the ball in traffic or he caught the ball in double teams, not near as much space. So that was great to see. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be key for him and this team to be able to exploit those one-on-one -on -one matchups. Like you look at a team like Purdue, you know, Edie gets one-on-one -on -one matchups all the time. And that's why his numbers are insane. And I think Baycott has a similar opportunity to do that this year with this group. And, you know, I guess I'll be the first one to transition into the concerns a little bit here. Um, the main concerns. The free throw shooting was abysmal. 65% in game one. That's like coach's worst nightmare. Um, do you think that that, that was a, a first game jitters thing? Do you think that there is some concerns with, with free throw shooters not named RJ Davis or, or Cormac? Um, what is your thoughts there? Uh, throw Armando in that group. Armando went five for six from the line tonight. Yeah. I, know he's, I mean, <laughs> he is like a, hey, seven, he's, he's, he's like a mid 70 percenter probably. Yeah, he's. I think as I said, he's like sixty-eight percent for his career. It's not quite, but he's improved every year. You know, maybe he, if he if he stays at seventy percent this year, that'll be dang, that'll be awesome for UNC's prospects. Um, yeah, I, I I would be lying if I said I wasn't slightly concerned to shoot that percentage at home in a game that's on the lower stakes end. It's really just like Ingram struggled with hitting his free throws at Stanford, so that was a little bit tough to see because I know that the staff has worked a ton on his shot mechanics from distance and it, it shows like his shot looked really good. Um, it looks like it's going in when he shoots it. Um, so, so that's a little bit of concern. And, and Cadeau, I want to say in either the exhibition or the late night scrimmage missed a couple of free throws as well. And so yeah, him missing, I think he went one for three tonight. Um, yeah. You, you really want to see your guards hit their free throws because like, I mean, it's not that surprising if Armando misses one. It's not that surprising if Jalen Washington or Zayden High misses one, but you, you really need the perimeter players to hold up their end when it comes to, to free throw shooting. And it's like you miss eight free throws. Uh, if you hit like five of those and UNC wins by 21, like we're pretty happy. Like universally as a fan base, I think it would be pretty yeah, happy tonight. For sure. What's your uh, What's your number one concern? I, I think it still just comes back to defense um, and just, again, wanting to see the guys get on the same page sooner rather than later um, when it comes to ball screen coverage in particular, just because we we have these two get two more games to tune it up. And then it's going to get a lot more challenging once we go to Atlantis, like even even Northern Iowa, that first game, Carolina should win it. Northern Iowa is a top 100 team on Kim Palm, has a history of upsetting teams, has a history of upsetting UNC in the Marcus Page's senior year six years ago. So. Yeah, that's something. Uh, my math might be off there. I'm not a math guy. Seven years ago, whatever it was, but <laughs> yeah, that that's where like you really want to go into Atlantis feeling like you have some sort of consistency on that end. Yeah, that's my thing. Is it just comes back to what I keep saying every week, but it just a lot of times when I see them get beat on on defense, it's it looks like a lack of effort and a lack of physicality, and that's what I can't stand. Like I said, Radford hit some tough shots, but like for a majority of the game, UNC was losing the rebound battle. That's pretty unacceptable against Radford. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, they 
for a majority of the game until the end when Radford kind of started chucking up shots. They were allowing them to shoot like 58 or 60% inside. You're bigger than them. They do have some size, but like we are bigger than them. And you allow them to abuse you in, inside the arc like that. That to me comes down to physicality and effort. And that is concerning because when you, when you start playing the teams like like you're going to play in Atlantis, when you start playing Tennessee, when you start playing conference play, you're going to get bullied if you're if you're not physical. And mm-hmm. that's kind of been a, a problem here for the last couple of years. Even even the year they did make a title run, like they just don't play with enough physicality. Like I would love to have a UNC team that goes out there and plays like a Houston team. Is that ever going to happen? Probably not, but you don't have to be that aggressive. They're obviously an outlier, but just show me like some, show me some moxie, show me some, (laughs) show me some bravado. Like give me, give me some, give me some muscle. Like even Armando sometimes I'm just like, yeah, he gets in good position most of the time for rebounds, but sometimes I watch him in the paint and I'm like, you could have put a body on that guy and you didn't. It's just like, that's the thing I want to see, man. Just don't get pushed around the court. Like, don't mm-hmm. get bullied. Yeah, the the rebounding was a little bit concerning. As aside uh, of Armando, I thought Armando held up his end, but um, you know, Harrison had some good boards here and there. But yeah, it felt like every time they got an offensive rebound, they were able to kick it out for a wide open three. It happened on like the very second play of the game. UNC played great defense. Um, they forced a, a contested shot. I think Ibra, uh, Ingram got out rebounded wide open three. So that that's something again. Yeah. just needs to be cleaned up. Uh, the last only other concern I'd really touch on was the turnovers. Cause it was a really tough stretch in the first half. I know, I think they only had three turnovers in the second half, but um, it was a stretch of like, it felt like four or five possessions in a row where like five out of seven possessions ended with a turnover. And that, you know, some of that you attribute to first game jitters, first game, first game sloppiness and learning how to play together. Um, but yeah, that's something that'll definitely be interesting to monitor because this this offense did show it has a ton of potential to be a more high octane attack. You know, I, this is where I'll even end positively. You look at uh, even the offense this year. You know, playing against a comparable opponent to last year when when Carolina played UNC Wilmington, I would say Radford and Wilmington are two of the better mid majors. Um, you know, both will be probably a, a top. 120, 130-ish team on Kempom when it's all said and done to get a double-digit win. Uh, yeah, you take that. Um, but yeah, even thinking about the the game one last year when Wilmington just <laughs> clogged the paint and UNC couldn't do a ton against it. So <laughs> that's where I'm kind of thinking like, hey, I'm just happy that we have a good offense. I, I think at least. I think it'll, and it'll keep improving. Yeah, that's the positive I want to end on is the pace was great. Like, they really did push the pace again. They really did run a lot of secondary break stuff, which we saw in the exhibition and we heard happened in the scrimmage. Um, so that was promising to actually see them get out and push the pace. But that also ties into the rebounding negative because if you're pushing the pace, your guards are most of the time not crashing. Most of the time. Like they're waiting for for a for a leak out and then you're pushing the tempo. So when it comes to that, the rebounding from your three three and four position becomes that much more pivotal because you have less less guys on the glass. And it's like Armando held his own, but like 
I need to see Ingram box out, even like Cormac when he's in the game as the three or Paxson, whoever's playing the three, they have to box out. And I think that's where it's going to be interesting because rebounding at the three and four when you are pushing the pace is pivotal, which is why I think Ingram is such an X factor. If Ingram can get six rebounds a game, they're going to be a lot better off. If he can only get three, it becomes tough because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to push it and, they are a lot better at rebounding. Like there was a couple times in the second half where RJ did crash the glass and like surprisingly for his size, he's actually he's a, a decent good rebounder. rebounder. Yeah. It's kind of weird to be honest with you. Um, But when he wasn't crashing and you had him and Cadeau kind of leaking out at like the wing spots and waiting for the outlet pass, that's where it got a little bit, you know, cause that's why there was open threes because they're leaking. You give up the rebound. They're way out of position, kick it to their guy in the corner who relocates. And now you have an open look. So that's going to be the key. Like I just, I want to see more physicality on the glass from everyone not named Mondo, mm-hmm. but I am excited because we did kind of see a, a Roy Williams esque brand of basketball tonight. Right. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Like you said, pace was great. Ball movement was great too. Um, a lot of season left. Excited to see how it plays out. And excited to see what we can do against Lehigh because that should be a game. Carolina should win that by 20 points. At least 20 yes. points. <laughs> CJ McCollum is, is not walking through those doors, buddy. Right, right. So uh, hopefully this doesn't become a freezing cold takes. But let's close with four corners, JK. I know you had something in mind. I'll let you introduce it. So... I've been seeing everyone, all of all of our coworkers at the field of 68 have been just dropping final four predictions left and right. You know, Tristan dropped his. My boy Sean Paul dropped his. Um, I believe Greg dropped his. Uh Carter attempted to drop his and said, I don't have any final four predictions. So he's he's fading being on the freezing cold takes. But uh yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear how our final fours pan out. So I mean we can go one at a time, given all four of our teams. Um, we can alternate. I mean, whatever you want to do, like we can obviously have the same teams in. I'm, yeah, I'm curious just, uh, to see what you're going to say. I want to hear your first. I'll just let me hear your four first. Um, mine. And I so, won't change mine. You have my word. I won't change anything. Sadly, I do have Duke as one of them. I think they are going to be a final four team. I think. I think we're going to have two one seeds in the two one seeds I'm predicting to be in are Duke and Purdue going on a vengeance run back to the final four. So that's my two one seeds. Then you got to start thinking, you know, a little different. Um, I do think Arizona is going to be good, but everyone's got them in their final four and I'm not necessarily buying that. I'm just not like, I think they're a good team, but the third team that I'm going to slot in, um, God, see, it's tough because I'm going to go Houston. I think they're going to be a two seed because the Big 12 is tough. So I've got two ones and a two win. I think Houston with with LJ Cryer, I think Terrence Arsenault is going to take like a massive leap this year. So those three. And then you got to start thinking about like who's going to be like the five, six, seven, eight seed that that makes it in. Um, unless this is just a complete outlier year. Um, and it gets really hard, but I'm actually going to rock with elite guard play being the most important thing in the tournament. And I'm going to rock with Southern Cal to go to the final four. Okay. 
Isaiah Collier is freaking incredible. That's, that's exactly right. That tonight. Collier is so good. Like I have never seen a number one recruit talked about so little. I don't get it. Like I know this, this recruiting class is weak. I know the game is the storylines are dominated by transfers and there's a bunch of 24, 25 year old guys playing college hoops right now, but Collier's big. He can pass. He can shoot. Like that dude is a stud. And the last I haven't checked the USC Kansas State score because we started recording while that was going on. But last I checked, the USC was up ten and Collier was tearing it up. So they're up twelve, and this is why I have them in the Final Four. Um, Isaiah Collier has eighteen six and three. Boogie Ellis has eighteen five and eight, and they're shooting thirteen of twenty one from the field. Yeah, that's a good team. And Man, I, I'm telling you, like they have enough size. And we know the story in March, man. Good guard play is what gets you. Like, that's why Miami made a run last year. And, and if if Bronny gets healthy and they bring him off the bench. Exactly. It's, I love Bronny, man. He's I mean, such a, a good defender. Like, he's such a good defender that he's just a freak athlete. But, dude, I'm telling like, I don't understand, like, why is Collier – I feel like he's not even being considered to be the number one overall pick mm-hmm. because everyone's like, you know, Ron Holland and – um, God, what's his name? From the freaking Tubelis. Tubelis. Yeah, Buzelis. That's what it is. Tubelis goes to Arizona – or went to Arizona. <laughs> um, And then, you know, everyone's like talking about Kentucky guys, talking about guys from Duke. But it's like, dude, what are y'all not seeing with Isaiah Collier? And that's – I think like – if it was just Isaiah Collier's team, I would have a lot more skepticism. But I mm-hmm. like them to be like a five or six seed and make that run because they have a mixture of the best freshman in the nation and a super experienced senior. And mm-hmm. I just love it. I think I yeah, think they make yeah. it. That's a good pick. I was thinking about that tonight because so we submitted our um our final four picks for Heat Check, CBB, one of the sites I write for a few weeks ago. And there's two teams I still feel confident in. I have Houston as one of them, same reasons you do. That system, like, I'm probably just going to pick Houston as a Final Four team every year because they're safe, you know? So like, long as Kelvin Sampson is coaching right, that team. Right, Because it doesn't matter which bigs he has in the front court. They're going to get, like, 70% of the offensive rebounds. They're going to be super physical, uh, which translates in March when games slow down, offenses go cold, you want to lean, lean on your defense. And it's it's – I don't know if the casual fan realizes that Houston always has multiple guards who are just dogs and can create offense or knock down shots. They, I think they sometimes get a reputation that they're like Virginia level. We only want to win game and games in the forties because they're defensive minded, but they have some really good guards. Cryer is the latest. Jamal shed is great. Uh, and Emmanuel sharp is a knockdown shooter they have. So um, yeah, I like, I like Houston to get back to the final four. Second one, I'm still rocking with Michigan State. I know they lost tonight. Their freshmen are going to get a lot better. Their rotation is going to sort out. Uh, they probably won't shoot one for 20 from three again. And I love, I mean, I just love having that guard trifecta of Tyson Walker, uh, of course, first and foremost, one of the best guards in the country, AJ Hogard and Jaden Akins. So still, still want to rock with those two. Um, for Heat Check, I picked both Texas and Kentucky. Texas to me, I think is like, kind of my outlier pick because their depth is like very shaky um i don't but i just wanted to be in on max Ace. i like it dylan mitchell and max Asmus, you know they can they can take you far i mean tyrese hunter he's had moments as well dylan desu is a bucket in the mid post he's just a dude who i rationally love and love his game uh when i picked kentucky this was 
presuming that they got Zvonimir, Zvonimir Ivisinic, uh, Big Z, the Croatian dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> is he Croatian? I might be butchering this. He's. I think one he's of the... a. I think he's either Croatian or Slovenian. He's one of the Balkan states, I think. I just yeah, he is. Oh, he's it's from either... Croatia. I had it right. Yeah. What a lad. Um. Yeah, because I I really was hoping I thought like Big Z gave them what they needed since he's been ruled eligible. I feel like Kentucky's had their moments of looking shaky to where I'm like I don't know if this is going to be the team that gets Cal back to the top. I'm really tempted to pick Tennessee um, to move to another SEC school and and get regular season Rick getting over the hump and getting back. I think Rick Barnes went to the Final Four with TJ Ford, so he's done it before. You know, he just hasn't been able to get over the hump for the, like a decade. Um, but I think Dalton connect Jordan Ganey, like having dudes who are actually wired to score. Dalton connect is a freak. Connect is so good. Um, also I shouldn't have called Rick Barnes regular season, Rick. That was mean. I'm sorry, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) You're a good man and a good coach, (laughs) but no, I do want to say this because we both picked Houston. Um, if you go back and look at the run of guards they've had since the first tournament run that started with Rob Gray. Mm Mm-hmm. They went to Chris Harris, and then it was Armani Brooks and my guy from the Gas House seven oh four. One of my good friends, Nate Hinton, love that. That man. dude is a bucket, man. I love oh, that guy's game. Dude, I was convinced he was going to stick in the NBA. It's crazy because he stays on two ways. Like he's he's still bouncing around, but I, I love him, dude. He he's he's actually a great dude. Like you know, both of his parents. Um, his dad's a pastor. Uh, he went to my high school before transferring to. Northside and then to Gaston Day to play private school. Um, great dude. And then they had um who was it after that? Well, obviously they had Grimes with those guys too. Um mm-hmm. Marcus Sasser. And then they had Marcus Sasser, and now they have Shed and Cryer. It's like, dude, these guys always have these freaking guards that just don't go away and they're freaking good. And I'm telling you. <laughs> Like, Dijon Giroux was the one we forgot. Deaky, really Deaky Giroux. That's so what they good. used to call him. I, he was like weird. He had such a weird build. He was like six, seven and like long. <laughs> but yeah. And then they always have those freaking, you know, six, six, eight bigs that are super physical. And they are, they're just good, man. And I don't think they're going to struggle in the Big 12 at all. No, I'm with you on that. But yeah, all right. that's all I got for four corners, man. Yeah, that's all we had for tonight. Um, good, good first game. Not perfect, but hey, Carolina got it done. And we might be back sometime this week breaking down Lehigh, or maybe it'll be next week breaking down Riverside. You'll hear from us sooner or later. So follow the pot as the roof on Twitter. Give us both a follow as well. Um, thanks for joining us tonight. See you guys. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't yeah. on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the field of 68.